Welcome back to the final film frequency of 2021. Um, it's just myself, Mark and Ross this week and Mark and Ross have started crying already. Never mind, I know it's the final so episode. Emotional. So emotional. <laughs> so on today's episode we're going to be talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, the big final Spider-Man film in the Tom Holland trilogy. This is a full spoiler review, so if you haven't seen the film yet, pause now, go watch the movie, and then come back. I can't imagine there's many that haven't seen it at this point. I, I think it's already past a billion dollars, yeah, and it's been a week. Spider-Man No Way Home um, picks up where Far From Home left off, with uh, Mysterio, a.k.a. Quentin Beck, um, revealing to the world Spider-Man's true identity, which is, of course, Sp uh, Peter Parker. So the film starts pretty much dead on um, the way the last frame ended in um, Far From Home. I'm, I'm always going to get those mixed up. Far From Home, No Way Home. Mm. I kind of wish they had more like... Too many <laughs> homes. Yeah, too many homes. One, two, three. Homes. Get back um, to the numbers. Yeah, so pretty much starts... Anyone who's seen the trailer um, knows the kind of concept of this film. Peter Parker wants to ask his good mate, Doctor Strange, if he can cast a spell in order for the entire world to forget who Spider-Man is. And, of course, they start the spell and Spider-Man quickly realises that some of his closest and his nearest and dearest are going to forget his identity. So he tries to change the spell and then shit gets real and things go wrong and people start to come from various multiverses. Essentially anyone who knew Peter Parker's identity from the multiverse um, comes through. And that's pretty much what you know from the trailer and what you kind of get with the concept of the movie. So what did you guys think, Mark, straight away from the start? Did you like the way it jumped straight from Far, uh, far From Home into the into this one? In the run-up to this film, I'll just give a bit of a background to my expectations. Um, obviously, um, you guys know I'm a big, big fan of the Tobey Maguire films, like a lot of others are. Um, and Spider-Man is definitely like the majority of people out there it's maybe my favorite uh, superhero out of them all him or batman one of the two um so they're always a soft spot in the superhero genre for me um and when i saw or heard this premise we talked about this in one of our earliest episodes Corey, didn't we about this film coming together and what it could entail and um so it's basically been a long time coming and i was kind of apprehensive but also kind of uh, trying to keep my expectations low and then when the trailer came out I was kind of disappointed by the trailer I kind of felt like it wasn't anything like I was expecting with the Sam Raimi films it felt like it was very marvelized very clean cut and even the Doc Ock reveal in the trailer I was like oh that kind of fell flat for me a little bit so I was going in with low expectations of this film and I thought all it's going to be um, especially over the my, my recent opinion on Marvel. It's going to be very much Marvel just trying to capitalise on previous good Spider-Man films by throwing in loads of different bits and pieces for people to go, oh, look at that, look at that, look at that, and then the film would end. And I was so pleasantly surprised by that, that that wasn't the case in this film. It was definitely the biggest uh, shock that I experienced from my initial expectations to actually seeing the film this year. Um, I yeah, Corey, as you said, um, where it's kind of started off, um, I didn't know. I think I think I had read that it was going to start directly after where it left off, and I do like that. I do actually kind of like the the idea that they, you know, kind of picked up from the cliffhanger at the end of the other film. I do. I was a bit nervous about the first twenty minutes of this film, which I guess we can discuss to begin with. 
because um, it felt very much like the problems that I have with the Tom Holland Spider-Man films. It was too lighthearted. The jokes weren't landing for me, um, or at least they were being prolonged far longer than they should be. The whole thing about him trying to cover up that the media now knew he was Spider-Man and he was talking about the relationship problems that uh, his mum and what's the what's uh, Tony Stark's right-hand man called again? Do you mean his aunt and Happy Hogan? Happy, yeah. And yeah, his aunt like mum, but okay. Sorry, did I say mum? Yeah, sorry. His okay. aunt and Happy, yeah. Like, I didn't like any of that, so I was like, oh, here we go again. Exactly what I expected. What What did you think about the start? Um, yeah, for me, it was a bit sort of slapsticky in parts. Um, I really. The one thing I was really sort of, I liked whenever after the last movie ended and I was glad we got a bit more of it in this one was, um, what's his face, J. Jonah Jameson coming back. But in this way, he wasn't sort of J. Jonah Jameson like we knew him. It was more J. Jonah Jameson a la, like, um, what do you call that guy from Info Wars, Alex? You know the crazy guy who screams about the frogs being gay? What do you call him? Alex Jones. And he had this sort of the Alex Jones type vibe to him and it was, um, I, I quite like that. Um, but you're right, I, I have similar feelings for you. It was, I was kind of, oh, is this where we're sort of going with this whole thing? But then I had seen the trailers as well, so I knew it was going to be a bit, they were going to change it at some point, and he was going to go and see Doctor Strange. It was a bit sort of a dud to start with, but it obviously picked up later on. Yeah, I, I honestly don't mind any of that stuff. I love all that stuff out of Spider-Man. Anything with, um, I kind of like the way they built the relationship with Happy Hogan, because he's such a great character for me. Um, he's great for, he, he's, he is a great, like, but I, comedic fucking outlet in a lot of these movies but um yeah i like that it did kind of just near enough jump straight into him going to see dr strange i like the way they did that with you know obviously so basically um none of them get into the university they want and it's not due to their grades it's due to the fact that they have involvement with spider-man one thing i did see and i don't know if you both know well obviously you would have noticed this like there's lots of the entire way through this there's so many like little easter eggs and things that i should have dotted through it and it's quite good is like he's initially whenever they're talking about the fact like what do they do we'll get some legal counsel in mm. and matt murdoch appears in it who for everyone that knows is daredevil and they had the same guy who used to play him in the tv show even though they basically said that the marvel tv shows from netflix are nothing to do with the mcu at all it was nice to see that back as well and you that's obviously what this movie is it's kind of like a continuous like oh that guy oh that guy oh that guy kind of thing and that was just a really nice little easter egg at the very start i do think though that and we'll talk about this as the big extra uh, the big reveals happen throughout the film and the the re-entries of major previous spider-man characters and villains come into it um i think they just they they immerse them so well it is not like just stuck in there even the matt murdoch bit which i don't have any previous um I know kind of who he is, and he's played by, is it Charlie Cox? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Charlie Cox. Yeah, like I knew um, like who he was, what he looked like, but I'd never uh, watched the Netflix show. Um, but even the way they integrated him in here, I was like, yep, makes sense. Spider-Man's going to need a lawyer. Um, and it was never, it, it you know, there's just, it could be it could be done very, very poorly, basically, to bring him into this universe. But yeah. they, you know, just jump straight in there. And I love that it was so quick. It was like, this is just the beginning sort of thing. You know, I think some people maybe thought this Matt Murdock bit would happen maybe towards the end or there would be this big build-up to reveal him. They were like, we have so much in store. We're just going to get this over and done with, throw him in as a bit of an appetizer. Yeah, definitely. I, like, I'm a huge fan of that 
Daredevil show, so I was so happy to see him because he is fantastic as Daredevil, and I do like as well that they didn't kind of have him in the suit or stuff because I think it could yeah, be yeah. a lot of could be a lot of very jarring for people who haven't seen the Daredevil show, and you know if he had a shoot up at the end to help with the fight, you know that would have been a big issue as well, especially for people who haven't seen him. And um, yeah, let them kind of like sprinkle them in and see where they want to go with that character because the big question is whether they go with the darker route that the Netflix shows did, or do they if they you know. MCU him and he's a lot more lighthearted. Will that still work? But I suppose they've got the years now to, to work that out. Because I think it is rumored now that he is going to show up sprinkled within the shoes um, going forward in the next three years, which is quite interesting. Shall we delve into the next big thing happens, where the previous Spider-Man film villains pop up? Um, starting off with Doc Ock. What did we think about this? Because this was something that was publicized in the trailers so people knew this bit was going to happen but um i was shocked by how much they had to play in this this film and as Corey, you actually mentioned that from speculation that's happened online i don't know how much people knew or didn't know but there wasn't because there was a lot that had managed to somehow leak um before the film was released there wasn't all that much new stuff that was spoiled in the film itself mm -hmm. but i was saying like the big bit that shocked me was just how much these previous Spider-Man characters played in this film. And it was so refreshing to see them being part of the actual overall story. They weren't just little add-ons in the third act. Well, I knew from like sort of the marketing and stuff that we had Doc Ock was obviously back. I knew that Green Goblin was obviously back and that Electro was back. I think those were the three main sort of things in the posters and stuff. But I had no idea that they were bringing back in Sandman. He was going to be in it. The lizard was going to be in it as well. Um, so I was actually pleasantly surprised at how many different people they were able to sort of cycle in through the different um, movies as well. And it was nice because it sort of, it, it felt like an even sort of chunk from each of them, but obviously giving them a completely brand new story and making them fit the overall narrative that you had throughout the rest of it as well. I thought it was really, really cool. And you're right, the fact that, like, I mean, you could have very easily had some, like, it seemed like each of them got, like, a real chance to sort of, like, shine and do things in it. Um, I was sort of thinking, like, okay, you'll probably have it, it's all very Green Goblin heavy, or it's all very, sort of, um, what, Doc Ock heavy, but you did have each of them got, sort of got their own, like, little, little bit and little section, and it was, and then it sort of played with an awful lot of, like, the morality of, like, sending them back and all that sort of stuff as well. I thought it was really, really good. The morality bit, I loved. Like, I just loved the... I feel like this is probably how they pitched it in the board meeting at Marvel and said, how about we bring these characters back? And the big catch is, you know, Doctor Strange... He's not Strange, trying to defeat them so much. He's not he's trying, trying to defeat to them, and he sees the, the innocent side to them. Because yeah. all these characters... I said this to Corey as well, that um, you have... There's a lot of villains, obviously, in the MCU, and a lot of the villains start off villainous. They're just villainous the whole way through. But the Spider-Man villains have always been, you know, normal people with a good side to them that just get corrupted yeah. by exactly. one thing or whatever the other. Whatever influence. A hydro collider or whatever. Um, and therefore, it was really good to show that rather than just be like, yep, these are the villains again. And how they started off, especially the Green Goblin scene, that really threw me for um, a second of how he just shows up in Aunt May's um, soup kind kitchen. of shelter, soup mm. kitchen, and he's just this confused old man, and I thought that was really, really good, and that really got it across to me. I was like, I wouldn't want to go send them back, um, especially people that you'd know prior 
um, run-ins with because Tom Holland had never come across these characters before and you're, you know, I would be apprehensive to be like, I'm going to send them back to their death. No, that's not what we do sort of thing. And I love that whole um, angle that they took on it. Yeah, I think it was very smart. Like, Green Goblin obviously shows up on the bridge when um, Spider-Man's fighting Doc Ock and then um, Doctor Strange just teleports him away and then the second scene you get of, of, of Green Goblin is... Um, him smashing the mask and that's such a smart move mm. from the filmmakers because then you're getting Willem Dafoe acting instead of him hiding behind this mask that you know a lot of people did have issue with at the start during the first films as well that it was a little bit gimmicky but now you get the fact that you can this chance further on in the film where um, Willem Dafoe gets to perform both um, Harry Osborn, Norman, Os- Norman Osborn and um, Green Goblin which you know is probably the the best part of the film in terms of villains for me anyway. There, there was like there wasn't too many like bad acting performances in this. If I there was a lot of those villains that you have in their respective films, you could say are very very sort of hammy and very very cheesy in parts. But I think they all they were really sort of grounded in this. Like it seemed like all of them were did a very good job. Like because I remember watching the like <sighs> to take it off sort of Norman Osborn for a moment. I remember watching the amazing spider-man 2 where jamie fox is like electro and he's like so weird in that movie and he's just like all over the top and all that and he was like so much far better written and seemed like a far better character this time around than like he had been in that so it's almost like they were retroactively being able to fix each of these different people yeah. and like trying them to you know more relatable and more human this time around because i think i mean especially with the electro that's one where i think it the way they went with that character in the Amazing Spider-Man Two wasn't really respected by the fans that well. But now they were able to bring him back to like his yellow form, and then also have like a cooler suit and have the like the spikes that's on his very very famous mask. What do you guys think about? That's one thing I I want to ask you guys about when they came into this universe. There were obviously different versions of themselves. Obviously, Jamie Fox is a huge example of that. But like. Is that a little bit of a plot hole, or how does it work? That the fact that you know um, Alfred Molina's Doc Ock has just come from the bit in Amazing Spider-Man 2 before he dies, but obviously he's like 15 years older now, and there's different versions of these characters, whereas the Lizard is very much the same, and um, Sandman is very much the same. I get, I get what you mean, yeah. I had big apprehensions about Electro when I heard that, because I'd seen stuff that had been released about he's going to be a lot more closer, like his costume's going to be a lot closer to the actual comic with the yellow, and I thought, oh... This is this is appeasing appealing too much to the fans rather than um, what logically makes sense within this universe. But when they actually, you know, I mean, they, they did a far better job in the film than I was expecting, which was to kind of say it's a different type of electrical energy in this multiverse. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah, you're kind of bending the rules a little bit, but I was like, okay, I'm I'm getting behind this a bit more. Uh, part of me, and I I, can't, I need to go back and watch Amazing Spider-Man too, but I, I don't remember, did Electro get on like that when he becomes, when he gets this energy? Where he kind of, I felt like Jimmy Fox was playing more to what Jimmy Fox is Jimmy like. Fox, yeah, yeah. If that makes sense? Mm. Rather than what his character was as Electro. He was sort of less over the top and really cheesy. And like I said, it was all a lot more grounded like it was with all of them. Yeah. Because they even so, mentioned that he had a, co- like they mentioned that he was like, not very good looking in the in his other universe. He had like a comb over, and he was a bit of a nerd. Like they even mentioned yeah. that, and then he's like, "Oh, I love this new version of myself." So I'm just wondering. I, I'm just asking if anyone knows the logistics of how that happens within the 
Multiverse. Coming over? I, I don't know. You know, yeah. it's interesting. It is. And it's also, I just hope that, you know, I don't think in this film at all that they use the multiverse to make a lot of excuses. Um, and I could imagine, which we'll talk about as we go forward, that I don't think this whole multiverse idea will be the last we see of it, given how unbelievably successful this film has been. Um, but I just hope that writers don't get lazy with it, because with the multiverse, you could start to become very generous with a lot of things. You'd be like, oh, hold on, that's fine. We can switch this because multiverse... You know, that's just use the M word and we're sorted. So, um, yeah, I didn't have a real big problem of it. But, um, yeah, I loved, as Ross said, you had loads of time for all these villains to shine. And then after, obviously, there's the conflict between Peter Parker and Doctor Strange. And then they go into this kind of uh, cat and mouse chase to try and track down the, the multiverse device thing um, in, in, like, this Doctor Strange type simulation thing the the, right? um, the mirror dimension the murder dimension and i loved that scene really really enjoyed it like that was my favorite action scene in the entire film um and probably in you know it'd be up there for most of my marvel films i really really enjoyed that scene and i kind of it reminded me how much i like liked the first doctor strange for those types of action scenes i thought it was done really really well it wasn't just an inception ripoff um and yeah really really enjoyed it yeah, the great thing about Doctor Strange's character, you know, even though he's had the ability to see in the future now, he is very much like an act first and then ask questions later yeah. kind of guy, um, which we saw in this where he's going to, he just wants to send them back to die at the hands of Spider-Man or else, you know, how they how they die in other ways, fight, you know, die in other ways uh, fighting Spider-Man. But obviously Peter Parker wants to change this and that's where this big um, duel comes back. Just one other question. I'm, I'm really picking apart bits of this movie, which I wish I wasn't. You know when <laughs> Doctor Strange pushes them out, out of his body and then Peter Parker's yes. able to do He's able to move really quickly and Doctor Strange is like, how can you do that? How could yeah. he do that? I don't know. I think that's for maybe that's for another movie. I just was it was it something to do with his like spider sense or something? He was able to like move. There's just little things. Probably. Maybe it's because they're. Oh no, no. Because it was. I was gonna say. Maybe it's meant to be a metaphor for like Spider Man and Peter Parker are the same person. And then that doesn't really make sense because that other person gets pushed out of their body in Doctor Strange. I don't know. Don't know for future installments. Maybe Doctor Strange Two. Um, explain that bit. So this, yeah, well this one, so as soon as um, Peter Parker traps Doctor Strange in the mirror dimension and he's on his own, and he's on, all, the only help he really has is his two mates, MJ and Ned, which I thought was quite good because, you know, in a lot of these movies he does have Tony Stark's help or some version of Tony Stark's help with obviously he had the glasses in, in, far, in far From Home, which helped him out a lot, or he's had the spider suit. He obviously doesn't have the spider suit this time, which he, um, he the iron spider suit, and he has the other suit, which he turns inside out. Which I thought was quite yeah. funny because when that suit was in the promos, I was like, "Oh, Doctor Strange has made him this suit, which he can like warp through like portals." But it was literally just his normal suit turned inside out. I was it's... trying to work that out for so long. I was like, yeah. I think I maybe like I I blinked and I missed that, and I was like, "Why does this suit look so weird?" Yeah, because um... <laughs> it has like all bits of like like wires and stuff hanging off. It exactly, stuff, which was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, very much you know bringing him a little bit more grounded now, um, which I thought was quite interesting. And what happens next? So it's. I think the apartment scene is not when they start to bring yeah, the villains up to the apartment. Yeah, that's when he starts to he starts to cure the different people. So he starts off and he manages to cure Doc Ock. He puts like a chip in his back and basically he still has the power of the tentacles, but he's now not crazy or something. 
Yeah, because that's how he ends up losing his sanity in Spider-Man 2. Is because yeah, of the, chip the voices and stuff. Yeah. And see, at that point, that was the point which I was like, I love this. I love this film. I was like, we're, we're into the... Uh, we're into, you know, such an exciting part of the film. Um, I think up to then, when they had them all trapped into their separate cases, I was like, I was just really anxious. Even going into this film, I was like, I really hope they don't betray the characters from their respective films in this film um, and make them kind of marvelized. And I was like, okay, okay, no, it's all good so far. It's all good. And then once they got into the apartment, I was like, what am I watching? I was like, this is insane. It was so surreal. Like Corey was saying ages ago about like, like movie moments, like you wouldn't want some, like, I don't know, some, some suddenly bad to happen to you so that you miss a movie movie moment. And I was like, this is the type of movie moment that I never thought I'd ever see. It was so surreal, but also so nice to see. And it was uh, just something that was very uplifting for the end of the uh, end of the year. Seeing all these villains from different films being, you know, sticking to the character that they were originally and doing them justice and getting to see them interact as well. Um, just loved it. Loved all that apartment scene. Yeah, it's quite it's really interesting scene because you said, Mark, about all these villains having like two different sides to them. Even though I mean Doc Ock's the only one who's kind of restrained, but the rest of them are all like there of their own free will and kind of accepting to be you know, accepting his help, which is quite interesting, mm. of course, except for Green Goblin who's playing his own, you know, mind games at this point. Um, but mm. I thought that was really interesting because as you say, Mark allowing them to just, just sit and chat to each other and, you know, build on all these relationships. Um so what do you guys think about there's this moment where uh, Peter Parker, um, his spidey sense starts to go off, and you're not quite sure where it's coming from. Obviously, you can see that Lizard is about to break out of the, the the truck down to the bottom, so it could have been that, or it could have been you know someone about to turn their back. But obviously, it turns out that it's a uh, Green Goblin has turned his turned back to his Green Goblin form, and um, I thought that's that was fantastic because it was just like some of the spider sense in the other movies I didn't really like, you know, where it's like crazy visuals on screen this was just kind of like a camera on um, Tom Holland with like the noise in the background I thought it was done quite well um, yeah. yeah but I love that do you, do you get to see his spidey sense in the other two Tom Holland films I was thinking that I don't yeah. think you do or, or this do is the you? first time it was nice to see yeah you maybe see him like turn around and look at something but you, it's not like as as pronounced as it was in this one in Infinity War it's just literally the hairs raised on his, on his arm yeah. when he's on the bus yeah I remember that but, um, yeah I, I thought that, like, the apartment scene as well, I thought I was, I was like, this is all too good to be true sort of thing. And I was, I was nervous to think that, oh, this was going to just, you know, at the end of the day, these guys are villains still. Um, you know, they still have the capability to do a lot of evil. And to bring all of them into one room and for it to end happily is, like, isn't going to happen, basically. So I like the fact that, you know, isn't it uh, John Watts that's, um, directed this yeah like, i like that they john watts and the team decided like this is going to have to break out into some sort of um you know it's too much for all these people to be in one room for one of them not to get sidetracked and go oh hold on and get lured back into their old ways and their old habits so i like the fact that um that it did break out and i love that green goblin was the one to do it as well because that is the pinnacle of green goblin is this very um kind of schizophrenic um bipolar type character where one minute he can be um you know in his normal self and uh, what's his character name again i forget it's went out of my head great goblin Goblin's. norman osborne norman osborne 
born so one minute you can be Norman Osborn and in the next heartbeat he is Green Goblin and you don't really know what type of character you've got in that second so mm. I really like that that was the person to kind of cause that bait and switch yeah it was cool even some of the other wee nods like as soon as uh, Electro saw the arc reactor he was like oh that's untapped potential that I could yeah, have yeah, little things yeah. like that you know things from this it's all getting a bit volatile yeah there was all of them kind of starting to temper a bit um yeah so, so that moves us on to probably the first big... Anyone who's still listening and hasn't seen this movie, um, the biggest... Probably the... I would still say the biggest spoiler of the film, the biggest yeah, moment of so the true. film. Um, the one that I did not see coming. Um, but when you when you see why it happened, it's so much more believable to why it happened. You can see why it happened. Um, but is when uh, the, the fight breaks out, most of the apartment is destroyed uh, and Spider-Man and Norman Osborn fight in the apartment, fly through floors and stuff. I thought that was quite cool as well because I didn't really understand this, mm. the the level of Green Goblin's like fighting ability, which was pretty yeah. cool. He pretty much Spider Man could not beat him really, um, which I thought was really interesting. Once again, because Tom, because Peter Parker didn't have the Iron Spider suit, he was basing off his own fighting ability rather than you know the help of Stark. Um, but yeah, it comes down into the the lobby of the um, apartment and. Aunt May is also running through the, the building and she um, kind of helps Peter, stabs um, Norman Osborn with the antidote, but it doesn't work. And then she ends up getting impaled somewhat, the similar way that um, Green Goblin was impaled in Spider-Man 1 um, with a big, with the, what do you call the flying Glider. there? Glider. through through the back. And I thought for me, like, such a heart-wrenching moment where you think she's okay as well because they rarely do that in films normally it's like oh they're dead but it was like she mm. got up and she was like oh i'm fine i'm fine and then she of course says the, the famous line um you know with great power comes great responsibility and i think at that point i was like even in my mind i was like why would she say that if she's okay and then it was like oh shit she's not gonna be yeah, okay yeah she's going down um very very heart-wrenching scene like for a marvel movie it was like I think as a like young young people watching that in the cinema, gee, like Jesus Christ, that was hard going. Um, she obviously dies, uh, which was super sad. Um, what do you guys think of that moment? No, I think it's very it's very very sad. I mean, everything about her character has been very sort of against the grain. The fact that she's not like traditionally Aunt May in the sort of the previous movies has been sort of an older lady, um, and they sort of had that. Whereas that she was sort of young and quite attractive, and there was a bunch of different. Like she sort of defied an awful lot of the stereotypes that they have of that. Now, the one question I have about this is: in this universe, is there for Uncle Ben? Is he supposed to be dead as well? Because the whole, in all the other iterations of this, it's been Uncle Ben's death, and he's turned around and he said, "Oh yeah, with great power comes great responsibility," and that's how Peter has learned to become Spider Man and mm. all the rest of it. Now you sort of have that arc mid like sort of towards the end of almost like his level his transformation and you're thinking like obviously that's there for come from aunt may so does that mean in this universe that uncle ben is potentially going to be out there somewhere or is that am i reading too much into that i don't know no probably not like i honestly think it's something that will come up because obviously we don't get any sort of backstory to no, what happens to he's never parents. brought up at all yeah but what, what about up. what about peter parker's parents either as as we've been told that's true that's true. Because yeah, they, they played a bigger role in Amazing Spider-Man, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. But were they brought up in Tobey Maguire's one ever? Mm, it, really, I think no. it's just it's just pointed out the fact that they're dead. Um, but yeah, they're a far bigger plot point than the Amazing Spider-Man. Um, but no, it's just it was it was really 
yeah, very, very heartfelt. Like you said, it sort of comes out of nowhere a wee bit, and you're like, oh, God, wait, May's dead? Oh, wow. Oh. And But it is the right impetus for to therefore carry on the story and to give him, you know what I mean, the character growth and the sort of propelling force that he needs to finish it off. Yeah, and I think that, I think, like, I thought it was such a good move as well on the film's part. Like, one of my biggest gripes with the Tom Holland films is they're far too lighthearted. There just doesn't mm-hmm. seem to have that consequence and the fear uh, that the danger that they're in sort of like I never at one point thought anyone's life was really at risk it was all very lighthearted. Spider-Man's always making jokes and I know that is part of the character but to me it was a bit too much at times and I was like you need to have that severity and the the, the actual danger in your film and that re-int- reintroduced it I thought with her death and I thought that to bring to get Green Goblin to do it, or one of the old Sam Raimi characters, or or the Amazing Spider-Man character villains to do it, I thought that added the whole weight of them being in the film. They weren't just these kind of side problem that's happened in this film, and then they're away again. Like they have created long-lasting impact in this universe of Spider-Man, and I think that just added the weight of these villains being back. There was something now personal between Green Goblin and Tom Holland's character. Um, as a result of this and I also thought the delivery of um, with great power comes great responsibility was excellently done by that actress and it could have come off very corny we've already heard this twice before in the Spider-Man universe and for to hear it again um, you know could have been an eye-rolling moment especially at such a sad moment and she just delivered it really really well and it was so poignant as well because that's exactly it was so relevant and poignant because that's exactly what she was trying to refer to was this had to happen. This wasn't a mistake. Uh, we, you know, for us to take in these villains and try and help them. That's who we are as people. Um, between her and, and Tom Holland or Peter Parker, that's what we're there for. Um, and I like that she said that before her death to go. No, Peter Parker. Um, Peter, this is this is kind of, you know, even though this is the consequence of helping them out, we were right to do this. In the we first were right place. to do it. I thought it was very interesting as well because in the sort of lead up to this, you were like. Okay, they're gonna have. To, I think it had been teased at one point, or someone had said about there's gonna be a big death in this one. I think everyone was like, "Well, it's not likely gonna be M like MJ because like they've had something like that before in the uh, the um, the Amazing Spider-Man series." And I was like, "Is it Ned?" Because I was like, "He's like a fan favorite. He's like this lovely, shubby guy that everyone sort of like loves, but he's like." he would be a real sort of boost to the story. And I was convinced, I was like, Ned's not making it past the, the halfway mark. Ned's going to end up dead. And then, so whenever it was her, I, just, I hadn't even considered that being a possibility. So it completely yeah. came left field for me. Yeah, I also think because she's, cause she's not like a frail old woman as well, you also, you think she's, the, you know, the strength to move on through a lot of these things. <laughs> you could definitely see yeah. in that scene, it was like her running down the stairs and stuff. I was like, oh my God, it's, you know, she, she, her life is on the line here if she doesn't make it out of this yeah. building. Um, what was quite interesting well, I think one of the strengths of this film is that there's no point in this movie where it's okay to go to the toilet and this brings us on to the next yeah. bit because I, I saw this twice and the second time I saw it with our good friend Alex who was on our Titan episode and he was, it was the apartment scene um, just before Aunt May's death and he was like is it okay can I go to the toilet now does anything big happen and I was like I wouldn't go now you know the, the Aunt May bits of it to come up and then as soon as that happened he was like can I go to the toilet now? And I was like, you better rush. Like you've got like five, <laughs> less than five minutes until the next big bit. Cause obviously right after this, we jump to MJ and Ned who have this box and MJ is like, I'm going to hit the button. You know, I haven't heard from Peter. We don't know where he is. I need to hit this button. And you know, 
everything goes back to the way it was. Um, and this is when we find out that Ned has the the magic ability. I'm not quite. I, I was still not quite sure. He has, what, he has what is called Doctor Strange's sling ring, which <laughs> is what they all use, like him and Wong and stuff used to make create the portals mm-hmm. whenever they do like this thing with the fingers. But then it's implied that you know you can't just do that if you just have the ring. He has to yeah, have. He yeah, yeah. runs in his family. There's some sort of uh, magician powers. Um, so they obviously ask, you know, can we? Uh, find Peter, and then it, it reveals that it's a Peter appears, but it's not uh, Tom Holland. It is, in fact, Andrew Garfield. He jumps through. I know there's a very funny moment, I think, with Ned's, I think it's his granny or someone. Or his, his yeah. mom, I don't know what her name was, but um, she like throws the pillow at him and stuff. And that's a really good, I think it was a really good moment to introduce those characters. Instead of some big, grandiose, like, rooftop battle, to have them there. And, you know, because it, it, it instantly gets Andrew Garfield's screen time to act rather than him just swinging about as, as Spider-Man, you know. Um, and I also thought when they introduced it in the or introduced the Spider-Man, uh, the previous Spider-Man, into uh, the movie, because you just had the Aunt May thing happen, I don't. I think it kind of threw the audience off for a big moment to come up directly after that, if that makes sense. Like, I didn't really see it coming, even though I knew it was going to come sometime in the film. And, you know... I mean, again, it's the nostalgia fa- factor. Like it was so good. It, it was, was so, so good. Even so to see good. Andrew Garfield, like, who isn't even my favorite Spider-Man, to come in, I was like big grin on my face. I was like, this is, you know, I know, I understand that this is like totally rose-tinted glasses I'm wearing, but they're so beautiful, and I just love it all. <laughs> and then, of course, so he then is literally like, right, find Peter again, and we get Toby Maguire coming through as well, which was this great moment as well because I think at that point I was like. How are they going to bounce off each other? Is this going to be good? And it was good the way Toby Maguire was just in his normal clothes. He seemed a lot more like seasoned and knew what he was talking about. He showed that he was the elder of them all. You know, he was very much a different Spider-Man from when you know we had seen him as a young as a young man, which I thought was really well done. Because that's another really hard thing to do to to say where these characters have been on since. Because obviously mm. we get the whole bit slightly after that that says. Um, when they meet on the roof, Andrew Garfield says that he's stopped pulling his punches and he's become a lot more violent as a Spider-Man and a lot more vengeful since Gwen Stacy's death, which I thought was really interesting. Um, but what did you think about that moment? So they go and find Peter on the roof of the school. Um, I love this moment. Yeah. This moment was one of my favourites. I was like, this is 10 out of 10 material if, if you were going to bring these guys together. It was just, it developed just all three of the characters. Such good chemistry. Such good and chemistry, it, three of them. And it just, it was so poignant again. It it kind of, it brought back, there was so much input that those other guys could bring into it. It was like, both those other Spider-Man had went through the exact same thing, almost, that Spider that Tom Holland Spider-Man had went through. And of course, in in a moment like that, you don't want to be told, oh, I know what you're feeling. But then, obviously, they open up. And just even, sorry, just before we even get into that, even the shot where it goes up to them on the top of the, is it the school tower? Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? With the moonlight in the background? I was like, oh, I was just loving it. <laughs> just that shot of them both, like Spider-Man silhouettes on the, on the tower. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, love that the whole idea that they've went through something similar, um, and what it felt like. Just the dialogue there was so strong. I mean, this film, apart from the the Doctor Strange fight scene, I didn't find any of the action particularly great or anything better than the average Marvel film. 
but the bit that really got it was all the character development was just so strong and really you know if you want an excellent film you need to do the character work and clearly um the john watts and the team you can tell that they had a lot of love for these previous iterations of spider-man as well it was so clear to see that they they wanted to do them justice they understood the characters which again lots of people could come into this and not understand um these other characters and where they're coming from and where they would be at now um and it was just just they did those characters such justice throughout this film and then so we get so right after that kind of pulls the narrative back in you know back to the main like job at hand which is you know can they get these antidotes and fix these people obviously at this point um tom hall and spider-man is very much on dr strange's side of let's just kill them or you know let's just send them back let them let them die the way they're supposed to die in their own universe i think he even says to the spider-man you know that's your problem you send them back and you do with them with them what you wish um but obviously they come together in the i presume the um science building of the of the school mm. and kind of start to build these antidotes and that gives another great moment of them like working together they've got their three minds working together so they can build these antidotes and we get a lot of nice wee moments between the three spider-man especially the one about um, <laughs> them the webs the webs of where they come from you know because yeah. there's always the big joke about you know if Spider-Man can shoot it out his wrist, can he shoot it out of somewhere else as a human? Very weird. Um, but I loved all that part of it. That was really cool. Um, Sorry, I was going to say, this is, wasn't in this scene, I don't think. I think it was maybe in the pre, maybe in the house, actually, when the first two Spider-Men come through. Um, I loved the bit of even, like, where you would go to have a moment to yourself. And then they were, like, making reference to the Chrysler mm-hmm. building and the Empire State building. There were so little... Yeah, I love those wee moments, yeah. That was really nice. And there was a nod here about... Ned, because there's a lot of people were talking online about Ned becoming Hobgoblin, and I don't know if this is something that still will happen. But there is a moment where Ned comes over to Peter. He's like, "Don't worry, I'm not going to become a supervillain and kill you," kind of thing. And that was the only moment in that scene I think it fell a bit flat in my cinema. Like nobody really reacted to it because I think that was something you would have to. Because I didn't uh, see that I didn't coming. Get that reference. And I, I, I didn't, didn't even. Time. I don't remember that. No, that was the only bit I think that fell flat a little bit. But because it was mean, in reference to asking. Toby Maguire's Spider-Man about does he have a best friend yeah. in his reality? And then he said, of course, mine became Green Goblin. Oh, yeah. that was <laughs> his Harry became Green Goblin. Yeah. yeah, and then they could have linked it into the fan stuff. I never even realised that. Yeah, That's, I will say that when it comes to those labs, the lab scene, and a bit on the Statue of Liberty, which comes up next, there were a few times where I think some of the it just went a little too jokey for me again back into the into the tom holland marvel almost too lighthearted at times i was like we don't need some of these conversations um i can't remember specifically what it was in the lab but or it, in fact it was like that i maybe some people did like this but i was not a fan of the whole i'm trying to talk to spider-man or tom or to peter parker and then they're like oh are you talking to me and then yeah, they're yeah, like yeah. no the one who has, and then they're like, oh, th- that's still me. You know, I thought that was a wee bit too much on the nose for me. Like, obviously, he was talking to Tom Holland. That's the only one he knows. Yeah, I think any, for the most like, part, it worked. If essentially, any movie that has, like, the same character in it, they always make that joke. It's always like, exactly. hey, and the other's like, hey, are you talking about, yeah. It's yeah. Um, so, obviously, yeah, the, the big final climax happens at the Statue of Liberty, where they are currently um, rebuilding it to put a, Big giant Iron Man, no, not Iron Man, and Captain America's shield. Captain America's shield. 
Yeah. What did you think about that? Like, that's a wee bit weird. Like, like, even as a concept, why would they put a big giant Captain America shield on the Statue of Liberty? Was it not, like, given to America by France? Like, it was. Fucking, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a bit of a weird. I thought maybe if they had a a new statue might have been cool instead of just sticking like an Iron Man shield on the flame of the statue. Yeah, I thought that was a wee bit of a gimmick, but um, still cool. A cool, a cool location for a final scene, I think. Um, and at this point, they're trying to gather them all together to kind of give them this antidote. Um, as Mark says, yeah, it introduces a bit more comedy. We, we hear about uh, Toby Maguire's back problems and stuff. So yeah, with Andrew Garfield cracking his back. Um, a lot more of this jokes about the fact that like Andrew Garfield is like the the more humorous Spider-Man out of them all, and the one mm. that people make a lot more fun out of. Which um, Mark, you said you weren't a big fan of that aspect. Of that was it. a li- little too meta for me, I think. Um, to kind of go, I think there was even reference of when they were numbering each other, Spider-Man one, two, and three. Again, that was a part where I was like, mm, would not have included that scene because they're in the middle of this battle. And they were like, let's have a, you know, let's just stop for a second and work out who's going to be called who. Um, yes. But yeah, and then they referenced, I think, that to, uh, to, or, uh, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man was going to be number three because he's the one that people don't like as much. And I was like, that's a little too meta for me. Um, and another big concern of mine in this film was always going to be integrating Tobey Maguire into this film because I think his Spider-Man is definitely the most polar opposite to Tom Holland's um, I think Andrew Garfield's was kind of somewhere in between as far as yeah, lighthearted like a and transition serious point. yeah it was like a transition point whereas Tom Holland's is full blown comedy for half the time yes. whereas Tobey Maguire's is definitely not that at all but I think it you know for the most part it does balance it well and there were heartfelt moments still with Tobey Maguire There's like, like you still bit, had about MJ I remember distinctly was, the, was when MJ falls off the tower and um, Tom Holland like tries to save her and he gets knocked out of the way and she's fallen and then Andrew Garfield jumps after her and manages to save her and the look in his face because it's like that's obviously the scene mirrors the scene that happened in Amazing Spider-Man 2 and like I, I actually find myself getting a wee bit choked up with that because he, he sells it so well yeah, that totally that. He's, God, he's a phenomenal actor I keep forgetting how good he is and things and um, Jesus that really yeah and the fact that that finishes his arc as well, that shows the talent, the directing and writing team's talent to kind of finish his arc from a previous iteration of Spider-Man in this film. Because really, it gets left off where he's having to mourn the death of Gwen Stacy, which is played by Emma Stone. And you don't find any, that's kind of how the film ends really. So to see that that arc kind of finished and he kind of, the healing had kind of happened and that kind of moment kind of finished that it was i was like that's such good writing um you know and this is how to do how to bring all these characters together into this film and do it really really well um just really really good stuff yeah i think the the final battle um what i really liked you know in in other movies you might just see them come together and maybe tom holland wasn't able to beat them on his own so he, he now has a team together and then he can finally beat them but very much as the battle commences they quickly realize that they cannot beat them as either because they Andrew Garfield and Toby Maguire don't know how to work as a team so there's a bit where they're swinging and like Andrew Garfield's web cuts off Tom Holland's and he falls which I only noticed on second viewing and stuff there was a lot of moments where they just they just got in each other's way and kept like knocking yeah. into each other so obviously they come together and Tom Holland's like look we need to work as a team and he's like I was and only that leads to that, 
Yeah, and he's like, I was in that... the Avengers, and the guys were like, the Avengers is that a band? I, like, <laughs> I thought that was, I love that. Oh my the, god, dude, are you in a um... band? that justifies my issue then a wee bit better about like stopping and deciding let's have a team talk in the middle of this battle but yeah that does make sense they've never had to work as a team those other two whereas Tom Holland has yeah which Um, brought like the best moment in the film for me is when they like run off they like simultaneously run off the the scaffolding and then do the web swing where they like they all do the same like they all attach to the same web and like go around in a circle do you remember mm. that and then land that's like yeah. such a movie shot like such a cool moment um and then what did you think about when you had tom holland having to go up against green goblin on captain america's shield is that where he was fighting him yeah but just before yeah, that turn. but just before that of course thingy comes back dr strange comes back and realizes that oh, yeah. Tom Holland is doing the job right, which he was very surprised at. Um, yeah, and then Green Goblin comes in. The only thing I had issue, the little issue I had with that is that why would Green Goblin not have been there at the start? You know, where was he? In the late, was he just late? Was he refilling the, the, the glider thing? <laughs> um, it's a little movie thing where they've kind of brought him in as the final, like, baddie, whereas... If he was, you know, if he was really wanting to kill Spider-Man, he maybe would have been in there at the start. But I thought it was quite an interesting way to kind of bring him in as the final like hit. Because as soon, I suppose, as soon as Doctor Strange rolls up, you're like, this is gonna, you know, the power of Doctor Strange is probably gonna outweigh the power of all of those villains. In which case, the the battle's gonna be over pretty quickly. But then obviously, yeah. Goblin throws the the bomb in the in the what did they call that box? Like, what the the time the time boxy thing. Know. And it, it explodes, in which case, um, which kind of is the big plot moment where they can't, they now can't just hit the button and reset everything. So something different has to happen now. I was going to say uh, that even Doc Ock, I forgot Doc Ock helps out yeah. the Spider-Man yeah. in this because he's the only one who's good at this point. Um, and I love that, just to even flip the coin again and get Doc Ock being, like we've never even seen that in the Raimi films because once he's got his tentacles or his arms, he, um, you know, he's, he's full-blown villain, essentially, because the experiment mm. goes wrong. So it was nice to get to see him using it for a force of good as well. Um, yeah. Um, the, the, and I, this film as well, like, after... Well, I will not get on to the final, final ending, but, like, after I finished it, it made me feel... Like, up till now, I've never really liked Tom Holland's Spider-Man films. Like, to me always been the Sam Raimi's um, and I preferred even the first Andrew Garfield one the amazing Spider-Man I actually liked whereas with the Tom Holland ones especially that last one with Mysterio I really wasn't a fan of that one the first one was good but the second one wasn't a big fan so I've never always kind of accepted Tom Holland as a Spider-Man but after this I was like yeah you're Spider-Man like I finally even Zendaya as MJ all that there I was you like it. I just bought it yeah I finally yeah. bought it the film did that I just um, for that I really like sort of, so it's the end of this and what he's doing is it's the whole thing about Tom Holland like learning to get over what's happened to him and he's picking up the glider and he's bashing him and stuff and then he goes to just kill him with the glider, kill Green Goblin with the glider at the end and Tobey Maguire jumps in front of it and it's probably one of my favourite scenes in the movie where he then gets stabbed in the back by Norman Osborn and you're like oh god this is like another big impactful death <laughs> Andrew Garfield like runs up to him and says to him oh are you alright and he goes yeah I've been stabbed before I'm fine <laughs> <laughs> that's just completely rude. I was like that's so funny um, but it was just a really sort of nice passing of the torch from. and again you just can't talk enough about the chemistry between those three I just think it was fantastic and again like 
Andrew Garfield for me, like every scene he was in, he just completely stole it. Um, at the same with Tobey Maguire, just oh god, loved it. I loved, it. I loved that yeah. whole dynamic. When you think it over, you're like, oh, you know, you kind of forget all these great moments. Because I said that, like, I probably I give this a nine out of ten, which is the highest rating I've given to any film since the pandemic began. And I thought, does it really deserve that? Because I said that. Probably for a 9 out of 10 for me, this has more flaws than most 9 out of 10 films I give. Um, but there's just so much that they get so on point. And of course the nostalgia, I'll be honest, if you remove the nostalgia, it's probably, it would lower a rank or two for me. But I was like, I'm totally there for the nostalgia. And they just did such a good job with it. I think it was a bit too light again with jokes and things and they went a wee bit too far with that. Um, and the action, I don't think, was particularly. It was, certainly wasn't Sam Raimi level action, but it was just. It was just blended all those characters together so well. And as you said, Ross, the car, the chemistry between the three Spider Men. You can tell that they probably had so much bant, banter and yeah, banter on set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at this point, obviously, um, I think every single person gets the the, the jab. They all get jabbed with the. Um, <laughs> they all get the booster shot, and they are fixed. Which was, you know. As I think you were saying, Mark, it's a great closure to all these characters who either died or, you know, were imprisoned. Um, so it was great to see them all kind of be able to go back to their own universe as a good guy or, you know, as as, as no longer as like a mental mental case. Doc Ock, you know, walking, down, know, the sh- walking out, down the shop. Yeah. <laughs> walking down the street, yeah. <laughs> helping everyone out with their shopping bags. Cause like, that's, got, like, that's the Disney Plus show I want. <laughs> um, but obviously there has to be a big kind of final twist which is of course that the multiverse starts breaking open and um, everyone starts all these all these like beings start coming through anyone who knew Spider-Man was, uh, was Peter Parker they all start what did you think of that scene because it shows you all these like hazy kind of like glowy people and I didn't recognise any of them I was expecting to maybe you know recognise like a couple of the other Spider-Man villains did you guys recognise any of the ones in the sky from other spikes. Like so I think they were just they were just sort of blobs, I guess. Yeah, they weren't yeah. really any they weren't supposed to be distinct, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So at this point it's it's revealed that um the only way for everything to go back to normal is if Spider Man if everyone forgets that Peter Parker ever existed at all, isn't that that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um and that was that was different from the original spell, wasn't it? Because the original spell was just that everyone forgot that Peter Parker was Spider-Man, but this one is not. Everyone forgets that Peter Parker ever existed, including Doc Ock. Oh, sorry, including Doctor Strange. Um, what did you think about that? Because that was such a heavy moment where he had to make the decision and um, say goodbye to everyone. Again, I think it just it added weight to the whole film, which um, I think that was my you know that's one of my biggest issues with these uh, Marvel Spider-Man films is there's not enough weight for me, and again it just added more weight because you know Tom Holland had to kind of uh, fulfill the ultimate sacrifice which is for everyone to forget who he is um and i feel like yeah there, there hasn't been enough consequence um to being spider-man i think as tom holland and this certainly he's definitely went through enough nowadays like i, th- I feel like the punishment level has oh, definitely yeah. been you know uh ticked um so yeah i thought it was you know such a sacrifice to make um and i, I did like the scene um, with MJ in the in the cafe, Nothing. again I I still in my my eyes the Toby Maguire Kirsten Dunst relationship like 
nothing comes close to that sort of relationship for me. But I still, um, I still, I liked the scene with MJ and the fact that they had this chemistry, but she didn't really understand why, and you know, it was hard for him to see that. So I, I liked all that. I definitely see where you're coming from with that, but I, I think the Toby Maguire and Kirsten Dunst relationship works really well back then. But I, and I understand where some people say, you know, the whole MJ and Ned thing, they don't like, and there's a lot of people don't like them as being in it. But I really like them as like as his assistants, you know, people to help him out. Mm. And I, I, I mean, I'll be the first person to say that I'm a huge fan of Zendaya. She's one of my favorite actresses at the minute, and I think she plays that really well. You know, a lot of other actors would fall yeah. flat um, and she plays that really naturally and it's i think part of my issue with her because to be honest i think she is a good actress and all i think it's the character it's the character of mj in this iteration i don't really like the character mm. um it's this kind of very dry um, not very impressed with anything kind of uh i don't know it's just the character i think but i think she does the character justice and honestly after this film i i really warmed her you know i think a lot of people even critics and reviewers were saying that this is kind of the best she's been and the best Tom Holland's mm. been in this um, trilogy. And I, I totally agree. I think both of them far, far better in this one um, than the previous ones. Yeah, so the final um, scene kind of shows that they um, he has his whole speech written, you know, to tell her exactly who he is. And then when he realizes she's injured, he obviously realizes, you know, she's been put through a lot of pain knowing me. And he obviously decides not to tell her. That's like the big kind of, the second big um, twist that he doesn't um, tell her who he is and just goes, reverts back to kind of being a bit of a nobody. He gets this apartment and he, you know, he's making his own suit. He's got his, uh, his police scanner on his phone and he's really reverted back to like OG Spider-Man, which for me was actually such a great payoff at the end of the movie because every other one of the Tom Holland films, he's got this help from Tony Stark or, you know, he's always getting assistance from someone, but now he's on his own. And he's, he's on his own. Yeah, he's had to make his own suit and he's going to have to do... Everything that normal Spider-Man had to do, you know, in his in his first his first years as Spider-Man, I think that's a really interesting way to go with this character going forward. Because I, I think a lot of people are saying as well, this feels like the first three films of the Tom Holland films are really just a prequel to Spider-Man, to being Spider-Man. Now he is officially Spider-Man. Um, and it also mirrors, there's so much of these films mirror the previous ones, which obviously is very fitting as well because they're all meant to be very similar they're all part of a multiverse where there are small differences but they're fundamentally very similar characters and very similar journeys that they all have to go on and really where he gets left off i remember is basically if i remember correctly where oh no actually i was gonna say it's the end of spider-man 2 is kind of where he gets left off but it's not is it it's the end of spider-man 1 where he basically makes the sacrifice not to be with MJ because it's too dangerous to be with her and it ruins her life. And that's kind of similar to the Tobey Maguire films in that sense. And then he gets left off with that rent. I saw there was a few memes online about, you know, the rent guy who's always asking Tobey Maguire for rent? Yeah. That he'll pop up in the next one. Oh, there you go. I realised then, um, I went online and saw this arc was in the comic and they realised that they put, this, they put this in the comic because it was when... Um, Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson get married and the writer of the comic thought that there was too much too much of their story was getting taken up with, you know, like marriage politics with them too. And that's why they wanted to write out Mary Jane in the normal comic. And even until, uh, like, even the most current comic, only a couple of people know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man because they had to just, they just decided to retcon all that because it was just getting too messy. 
So obviously, you know, that's not the reason they did it here. You know, the multiverse was a thing that was coming in and it was a good it was a good way. Obviously, and also Zendaya's character isn't really getting in the way of him doing much, but I thought that was quite interesting. This is something that has happened in the comics quite recently and there was quite a big reason for doing it. Um, obviously, the relationship side of things, but yeah, as you say, it goes back to like the basics of where Spider-Man is. Um, as we police scan and stuff, I, I am so buzzing to see like him just having to do like normal shit for a while instead of fucking <laughs> iron spidering it about the place. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wasn't that big a fan of, I did like the Iron Man bit in Homecoming where, you know, I thought that whole relationship was very fresh, something we hadn't seen with Spider-Man before, but there was getting to the point where I was like, right, you know, is he basically Iron Man or is he Spider-Man? There's just so much... Mike, uh, I don't know, nanotechnology that he has yeah, in the yeah. suit that he's basically an Iron Man rather than a Spider-Man at all. Um, so yeah, I like the idea that he's having to go back to his roots a bit. Um, where do you... Uh, well, before we wrap up, I was going to say, obviously this film's been extremely successful. It's opening to, I think, the third highest opening of all time. It's basically blowing off those myths, uh, blowing off the doors of the myth that, you know, films can't open big with COVID about because this is just blowing so so big um it's up there with the force awakens and like avengers endgame in the same conversation it's already past a billion it's going towards the two billion mark very successful for sony and marvel um and with with things that do very successfully at hollywood or in hollywood often they you know you know studio execs won't have missed this um they'll have picked up on this so I could see some sort of multiverse in some shape or form starting to happen in other franchises. Could you see that happening? What do you like? So, what other franchises are you thinking about? Well, I think a big one, especially within Marvel, is the X Men. Oh, well, within, that's the oh, thing. The you X-Men. say haven't been. Oh, sorry. I thought yeah, I, I thought think... you meant like parts of the Caribbean or like Star Wars. Oh yeah, yeah it could be pushing through that as well. Yeah, I could see it happening in several different franchises if this is the return mm-hmm. that a film can make off off the back of it. Well, I I think the multiverse as a concept is something that is going to bring in. Like obviously, the X Men is Marvel property now, so they will be coming in. Um, this might be a spoiler. I'm just going to spoiler freeze anyway. It's more of a leak. Uh, but there was artwork for Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness that had. It looked like someone had put it together. It was basically Doctor Strange in cuffs and in front of him is Professor X, very much like old school Professor X with the big ro- robotic chair and him with the bald, bald hair. And it's, it's Doctor Strange and he's got these like green cuffs on. And it was released like a year ago, someone put it out. But the mm. trailer for Doctor Strange, of course, with shoes at the end of Spider-Man, has, there's a scene which has Doctor Strange in these green cuffs. So there could be that, you know, we might even see... Um, We're finally getting the X-Men. We might just see Professor X in, in Multiverse of Madness, that's what I'm mm. saying. I don't think we'll see all the X-Men. No, all of them. No, you're right. And which which version of Professor X are you going to see? Oh, are you going to see James McAvoy no, or Patrick no, Stewart? No, it'll be 100%. Totally new one. No, I think because they've already done that with the Days of Future Past, the X-Men will be new X-Men, as will the new right, Fantastic right. Four. Because um, on the note of the uh, the multiverse, so I was talking to my brother and I went and saw this film and we were talking afterwards and we realised that actually a version of this kind of multiverse in a sense has been done before in X-Men Days of Future Past, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. the most successful X-Men out of the lot as well. And it was kind of blending together. Now, to be fair, they weren't in different realities. They were just an older version of themselves, but it was blending together two different casts. And it also it's another film that's done it really, really well. Um, and I could see maybe you could have, so you said new X-Men, I could see them maybe 
tampering with the whole multiverse thing and maybe having older X-Men like Sophie Turner and James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender coming into no, maybe I this world a little bit. That's the problem with that one is as well is like at least the the um, the Amazing Spider-Man series to a lesser extent, but obviously the Sam Raimi Spider-Man series were both very financially successful. They did like really really well. Whereas at the end of like the sort of X-Men prequel series, I guess you could call it, like they that's they well. were just yeah. dying at the end. Like yeah. I don't know, like I know very few people who actually went to see Dark Phoenix. I did because I was. I think I got stuck on a boat or a plane or something. It was the only thing on. And I went to see it, and that was absolute dirge at the end. So I don't think you're going to find... I think they'll just start... I think Corey's right. I think they'll just start... Could you start to see this happening? I I get what you mean, actually, Ross. I can get... Like, the other two Spider-Men have been far more successful than the rest of the... The only one you might see is... um, There's talk that people said that Hugh Jackman could come back as Wolverine. Not as, as like, a main character, but, like, as an appearance. But not that I would want to see it, because I think that Logan finishes it really well. Logan is a perfect end. Yeah. Hope they don't do it, but... um, yeah, I, know. I hope they're not too tempted on some of these because I think with the multiverse it can be done very badly I don't think it's as easy as this film made it look like I think this film got it exactly right or very close to being exactly right whereas I think you could very easily go wrong with it with wrong tones with just a money making sort of scenario happening um, but I was well, just thinking like big, the next big one that's coming out with the multiverse component and it is the new the next spider-man in the, the sequel to into the spider-verse which is one of my favorite cartoons i think i've ever seen um and they there's the new version of that coming out because oscar isaac is playing spider-man 2099 which is the spider-man from the future so you may get a whole extra sort of i'd love to see miles morales in this universe and then like spider gwen maybe a little bit later and stuff like that as well yeah, I, would um, I actually read on Twitter, just before you come on here, that Insomniac Games, Spider-Man, is going to be mm-hmm. affected by No Way Home. So they're, they're playing with they're that. They're going to link them in. Wow. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. Connecting but, uh, everything is the key these days. See if you can connect everything together and do it well. <laughs> that's a big premise of it. So the big thing um, is, um, there was one thing, I saw in a couple of interviews with uh, uh, someone had asked, Toby, not Toby McGuire, someone had asked Tom Holland, uh, who's an event? You know how they there's a there's a mention to it during the film where they say about Avengers Tower being sold. So it's either of going to be bought by the Fantastic Four or the X Men. It has to be Fantastic Four. It has to be Fantastic Four. That would be pretty cool because I kind of like that building as like a concept in the in mm. New York. That would be kind of cool with the Fantastic Four. And I think because they, they did they did traditionally live in like some sort of like high rise building type thing, so yeah. it would make more sense. And the A already looks a bit like a four. All you need yeah. to do is swap it around <laughs> and you've True. got it. Break it up. So what did you guys think about the fact that so obviously multiverse is a concept that's coming about in all these movies, but this one kind of wraps it up for the time being. I thought there would have been people left. The only thing that's left is the, the little bit of the symbiote in the Venom at the after credits mm. scene, which I loved. Even though the Venom films aren't that great, I was so happy to see Tom <laughs> Holland again talking about Just, the lethal, lethal protector. Um, yeah, I thought that with Venom, I haven't watched either Venom film, but the second one had the big reveal at the end, the post credit scene of him being in the multiverse, right? Yeah. yeah. Is that not a bit of a redcon? for anyone who's a fan of that ending to then be like, oh, actually, he's not in this film at all. He's just in the post credit scene and then he's back in his old world again. Is that not a bit of a letdown? Because he was on, he was on holiday. He was on, like, Venom was on holiday um, in, like, fucking Hawaii. 
and then you never he, thought you'd be saying that line in uh, 2022 and then he gets sent to the other universe and he's literally like obviously the events of this happen the movie happened over like the course of like less than 24 hours so he's mm. like in Hawaii and then just getting drunk he obviously didn't have time to go all the way back you know go in back to New York or wherever the hell that Venom is from. Um, so, and then he gets sent back, which I was actually like, I was hoping he would get stuck because I'm a really big fan of Tom Hardy and I think he's actually really good yeah. as Venom. But he does, I think he, is too. he does the voice of Venom as well, which is really, he does like a deeper voice, you know, of, with Venom. So they hopefully will still have him in because the symbiote 100% is going to be part of the next Tom Yeah, yeah. And it would make all the money as well, that film. Like the, the you'd be surprised, like, I'm hopefully going to do a box office report kind of on the end of the year, but if you look at the the box office, those Venom films make mm. boffo money. But Venom, mm. I think, too, made more money than all the Marvel films this year, apart from Spider-Man. Um, so having him, Tom Hardy as Venom, and Tom Holland as Spider-Man in the same film, again, you're you're onto a big box office. And then we're also, does that also then mean that you're potentially going to have something popping up at the end? Is it Mobius? Morbius? Morbius. Morbius. <laughs> no, 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 you're you're going to have something popping up there at the end of that as well, potentially. Because it's obviously, it's another one that's not part of the MCU, but it could be sort of filtered in somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but that movie, so it's part of Sony. However, it has Vulture in it from Tom mm. Holland. And it also, but there's like a Spider-Man on the wall in the background, which is Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. So this, yeah. there's, is this film going to take place during the multiverse thing that just happened? I, it must do. Today, uh, or it's just loads of Easter eggs that don't really make sense, but they're like, let's throw this in to make this film a bit more <laughs> So the big question I have, I don't know, I've talked to Mark about this, but I don't know Ross's um, thoughts on this. There's big talk now that the Amazing Spider-Man 3 will happen, and Stranger Things has happened, where uh, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man would come back in another movie. Um, there's been There was a leak earlier this week that said that Sony are making plans with Andrew Garfield for this movie. Or Spider-Man projects um, via comic book resource, which a lot of people said at the, in the past they have got a lot of things right in terms of like, mm. books and stuff. So, would you like to see that? Um, I think maybe absolutely. Chat, yeah, like I think one hundred percent. He really sold it to me during that movie. Like I, I never thought I'd become this big an Andrew Garfield stand in my life, but like it just I don't know something about his performance that movie. Just I was like yes. Him. I want to see more of that. I want to see more of him doing these things. And yes, so yes, I'm I'm all aboard for that. Because I I actually I was thinking about it. I think I saw bits of the first one. I've never even seen the second um Amazing Spider-Man movies. I'm tempted just to stick those on over the next couple of days and try and like just binge watch them. Because like I I don't remember him being that good, but he's god, he's so good, so so good. I'd be yeah, I'd be down for it. It's a cra- isn't it crazy that we now live in a world where you could have two different versions of a live action character just exist simultaneously in cinema. Yeah, that's weird. But I'd be done for it as well. That's freaking mad. Um, There's definitely enough money to go about, I'll tell you that much, for Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, one question I have for you is, other than the symbiote, what what big Spider-Man character do you want to see next on screen that you haven't seen before in Tom Holland's version? Obviously, Raven the Hunter. <laughs> well, we're getting... Well, yeah, he is coming, isn't Raven he? Raven the Hunter. I... That's weird. Him having his own movies. That have they announced who they've, who they've cast for that yet? Yeah, it's uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. It's uh, Quicksilver. Oh, okay. Well, piss off. No, <laughs> no, no. Like he that has like that role has Jason Momoa like scratched all Classic. over it. 
all over it. He's I know he's like Aquaman now and like loves the ocean and shit, but like he would be the ultimate <laughs> Craven Hunter. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that he's big enough to be Craven Hunter. Buff enough? No. No. Kick I mean, no, he can't kick ass. get. He can. He can get buff though, because he was pretty buff. Like he was buff I whenever he, he was trying to kick ass. Yeah, he's buff. Like he's definitely built enough for that. But I don't know if he if he's charismatic enough for Craven. No, whereas like no. Jason Momoa just absolutely that was quality casting. If I do say so myself, I um, really like, hope yeah. Sony aren't tempted to start bringing Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire back into this Tom Holland universe. Well, no, like I no, think they have, you know, it's perfectly left where they've left it. Please don't don't unravel that. Like you've just you've wrapped it all up. Move on with Tom Holland, sort of thing. I don't mind a separate Andrew Garfield film in his own yeah. universe, but don't be bringing him back into this one. No, no, I don't. Th- I think I think Marvel is smarter than that. You know, not uh, shouldn't have. Don't know if Sony are though. <laughs> true, true. Uh, hopefully um, not though. Hopefully not. Very true. So to to kind of wrap things up, um, what did you? If you had to rate this film um, out of ten, what would you give? Spider-Man No Way Home and more importantly where would you rank it in your overall Spider-Man films? 10 best Spider-Man Ooh. film so this is the one thing I love both of the I can, I'm like you Mark I love Spider-Man the character and I love those other films but <clears throat> this solidified that Tom Holland is my favourite Spider-Man um, even though the scenes where they were together like the other Spider-Man strengthened his mm. performance as Spider-Man which, you know, really kind of solidified that for me, I think, because Andrew Garfield never really got the finish. I really loved Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. Um, I loved, you know, he was kind of like a bit of an oddball. I think he played him really well. Um, as you say, Mark, the original Tobey Maguire ones, I love for how much they brought to life some of the most iconic villains. Um, obviously, the third film, there's a lot of real stupid moments in that. Um, but still, as a, <clears throat> as a child, I loved it. But... Yeah, Tom Holland films are still my favourite ones, and I think this is my favourite Spider-Man film. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite shocked that it's your very favourite, top 10, 10 out of 10. I mean, to be honest, I'm not that shocked, because I am also a major fan of this film. Um, I would give this a 9 out of 10, um, and I would give it definitely the best of the Tom Holland films. Um, I would probably put it in just behind... Spider-Man, like, controversial opinion, I actually am a very big fan of Spider-Man 3 because I was, like, so invested in the Tobey Maguire films at that point. Um, So I'd probably put it in after Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3 and then I would have this Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, It just, you know, it was so much better than I expected. It was the film that I needed, I think, and I think a lot of people needed, um, you know, after the pandemic. There's just been a lot of films that have been decent but not any better than decent and quite a lot of films that i was disappointed with since the pandemic i i don't think it's been the best slate of films that we've had since and this was such a welcome surprise and it was like a really good welcome surprise as well it wasn't like a serious controversial film that was kind of like a very dark topic as we said in our oscars um uh episode you know there's a lot of heavy hand heavy topics that are being used in films at the moment and we needed something lighthearted like this and um john watson the team and marvel and sony just blew it out of the water they stuck to the characters and um did them justice in this film and brought them all together so bravo guys <laughs> if there what, about you? what about you ross 
I'm thinking where I would put this in sort of the Spider-Man slate. And I think I would have it second. I think I I really I as we all did, we grew up with the um the Sam Raimi, um Toby Maguire set. I think I've always thought Tom Holland was the closest to what I imagine an actual Peter Parker would be and what he would be like, and I think he does it very, very well. Um I I think if I was to rate them all, again, I haven't seen I can't really say I've seen the Amazing Spider-Man movies that many that well, so I need to go back and rewatch the bits I have seen and we'll just watch the way through. Uh, but I'd probably put this as second. I whereas Spider-Man Two, I would put above this because um, I really really like Spider-Man Two. Um, in terms of like a score to ten, like and maybe an eight, maybe like an, maybe like a seven and a half and eight. But like I mean, I've used to I've talked to you about this before. Like the Marvel movies, I love them for what they are. And they're sort of light-hearted and really fun to watch and all the rest of it. But they don't, like... There's nothing that hits me in, in, like, an emotional core with those movies apart from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And it's... So it's, like... it's I'm really going to struggle to ever give these movies anything over that. But, like, in terms of, like, it's pretty top tier for the MCU for me, I think. You know, someone made the point as well that... Um, because this has done so successfully as well, this will have reintroduced people back to the cinema. There will be a whole host of people that this would be their first film back since the pandemic. Mm. And, you know, that might be enough for them to go, oh, hold on, let's go catch this other film while we're at it. Or kind mm. of, kind of, you know, it's the film to kind of bring some people back to the cinema, which is also quite nice and heartwarming and especially as well. Especially to... a big... A big factor about this one as well is this isn't going to be on Disney Plus, so you're going to have to wait a while before this comes on any sort of streaming services. Because there's that weird thing because obviously the dispute rights dispute or like the sharing whatever it is between Sony and Marvel for this, there's no Spider-Man movies on Disney Plus, so you get like the Eternals like I saw is coming out sometime in January on Disney Plus, so you get ones that people will be like, oh, I do really like these movies, but I don't, I'm not comfortable going to the cinema. Like, I'll maybe just wait until they pop onto the streamers like a month later or whatever. Whereas I think with this one, this is one that people are, are were willing to sort of brave the elements for and just sort of go out and try and see. Um, yeah. I'm sure the Sony execs had a really good Christmas. Because think of how, like, they were the ones holding on to the Spider Man character for dear life while Marvel was pulling every other character. And by all accounts, you know, Amazing Spider Man 2. Was such a flop. They've just about they've got the the mixture now with Marvel Studios, which kind of made the first two films and this one, you know, very Marvelized. It does have that feel that is part of the MCU, but they've I mean now they're not going to give that character up anytime soon. No, how much money is he's bringing in? Um, Definitely not. Yeah, it's looking like a good a uh, a solid future looking for Spider Man. Anyway, we've got the. Into the Spider-Verse sequel next year, and then Tom Holland definitely signing on for some more um, projects in the coming in the coming decade. <laughs> Thank you very much, everyone, for listening to our podcast on Spider-Man: No Way Home, one of the best uh, Spider-Man films, definitely for me anyway and um, thank you very much for listening to the podcast through 2021 this is our last episode guys um, we'll be back in the new year and thank you so much for listening and keep watching films bye bye bye, bye.